You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget right here on Moody Radio 89.3. A crisis of hopelessness, a lack of sense of purpose. These are some of the ways Dr. Anthony Bradley is characterizing the boy crisis. He's professor of religious studies and director of the Center for the Study of Human Flourishing at the King's College and also a fellow at the Acton Institute. And it's an issue near and dear to his heart. And he's joining us today on 89.3. Dr. Bradley, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I, I think it's important that we start with the word crisis because I feel like we overuse it. And I think people almost shut down when we use it. And, you know, oh, no, my wife told me to get milk on the way home. I forgot this is a crisis. I mean, it's almost to that point mm-hmm. now. So tell us about why crisis is such an important word for us to use when we're talking in this situation about where are the boys? That's a that's a great great question. I, th- I think we we want to use the word crisis be- because of what the data says. And when you look at the data, boys are twice as likely to be di- to be diagnosed with ADD and ADHD as, as girls. Uh, we're seeing boys drop out of high school at higher numbers than girls. We're approaching in some cases around fifty percent of of the, the boys in high school, some middle school, high school, considering uh, dropping out. Boys lag girls in every single subject at every grade in every school in America. Boys have suicide rates that are four times higher than girls. The gap between men and women in college is now uh, uh, incredibly large. And so when you look at the data, the story that we're seeing right now is that, that boys and men are falling behind. And so when you, when you project that forward, you think, oh, my gosh, what is this going to turn into in 10 or 15 years? And the data is pretty clear. This is a real crisis, and we need to do something very, very quickly. And we often want to jump to the solution. How do we fix it? But before we do, can we explore what's the root cause? Why, why are we seeing this crisis? Again, fantastic question. And you're right. I mean, we, 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 the, the response is, well, let's, let's go ahead and solve this immediately. And I'm thinking, well, we actually can't get to the solutions until we get to some of the core problems. Uh, some of the things that we've seen spike that's sort of causing this uh, a dropout and, and, and decline has a lot to do with, with a few things. One, we're seeing more single parenthood, uh, more divorce, and we're seeing that boys are, are increasingly not likely to have a male teacher between grade, sort of first grade through uh, ninth grade. And so when you when you add all those things together, we're beginning to see boys really suffer from dad deprivation, uh, from dads who are at home but not fathering them. But then, but then boys also uh, being in education settings where the school system, particularly public schools, are actually against boys. There's a bias against boys. There's a, a great study done uh, that shows that, that when teachers know the gender of the student, boys are graded one-third more difficultly than, than girls are. So, so teachers have a bias against boys. And so when you begin to sort of combine some of those things, you can, you can sort of chart that forward and see why we might have a problem. It, you know, education is a large part of this, I think, in, in my eyes, because like you just said, it's not just that, but we're also pushing less of the um, 
the trades and more of the let's sit down and study. And as you were talking about with ADHD and things like that, where a, a, a young man can get a great education in a trade and support his family and his community well. But we've pushed away from that, haven't we? Well, we, ha- we haven't in, in one sense. I mean, it's actually worse. So mm. when you look at the employment data, it's not that it's not that we're not pushing trades. Is that when we push trades or push anything, boys aren't doing either. They're not going to college, and they're also not going into trades. We have a major trade shortage right now. What we're seeing is a crisis and an epidemic of, of resignation and withdrawal. So, so boys don't know what we need them for. They don't know why they should participate in the economy. So when you invite them to do trades, they're like, why? Like, why, why should they go, go, go do that? There's not a lot of, of instances where boys are invited to use the things that God has given them, their strength, their presence, their creativity, uh, for the purpose of making other people's lives better. And so when there's confusion about the purpose of, of being a man, being a male, and, and how that can be applied in the marketplace, what we're seeing is complete disinterest. They want to be left alone, and they've just resigned. And unfortunately, the Internet says, hey, you can resign here and play video games and be on YouTube all day. Mm. And I think we are believing the lie, perhaps, that there are no differences between men and women. So that's also erasing the purpose and the value in our distinction, isn't it? It is. I think. I think it's. It's important for people to. To. I mean, this is a. A key. A key data point. Okay. Right now, as of today, we have about nine million men. Who are doing nothing? Prime age working men, which is which is between the ages of twenty four and fifty four, who are actually doing nothing. They're not. They're not working. They're not in school. They're doing nothing. Nine million men, and these are nine million men, by the way. Uh, who who women don't want to marry, right? So these are nine million non-families, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and 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 so much of this is because men are are in a culture that has so much confusion about what it is to be to be man and to be male. They get lots of signals. On the one hand, being a male is bad and toxic and and, and is a problem. And if you want to be a male, right? If you want to be a strong man, right? You're dangerous. Okay. And so that, that sort of confusion has really undermined a lot of their motivation, right, to aspire to greatness. And when boys don't aspire to greatness, they actually withdraw and, and, and become complacent. And, and we're seeing so much of that right now, and it's really troubling. It, it starts in the home. It starts in the church. It moves into education, moves into those places. But it really does start at the house, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think people probably don't realize. I mean, we say this, right? And the Bible's so clear on this. And you look at Deuteronomy chapters 4 to 6, right? It's in the Psalms, right? Uh, Paul talks about fathers in terms of how they, they really should not accept their children. I mean, we see this throughout the entire scriptures. Like, parents are critical. I mean, parents are, to me, the heroes of the story. And I, I, was, I was sort of reflecting on Daniel chapters 1 to 6 the other day, and I realized that in Daniel chapter 1 to 6, these four lads are off, right, sent off to, to Babylon. But what we don't understand is they had amazing parents. I mean, think about the parents they must have had that raised them to be the kind of men that they were, that they could go to Babylon and do what they did. The parents are the heroes of the story. And I think, I think so much, sorry, so often 
we don't understand the power of parents, and we don't equip parents enough in churches, because parents are, 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 are really the key motivators in terms of grounding wisdom and aspirations for, for, for children. Fathers are absolutely vital. I think people don't realize, for example, that we can predict basically the persistence in faith based on the relationship between a father and his children. This is an incredible data point. Kids who see their father singing in church are much more likely to, be, to, to persist in their faith in their 20s and 30s. It's as simple as that. And so parents are really, really important, and we need to do all that we can to celebrate them and inspire them to really love and to sort of love on and spend as much time with their children as possible. Which is why you say the solution really isn't necessarily more programs or events or educational resources. So what are some solutions? Fantastic question. So this is probably going to be uh, when I every time I mention this one, people are like, what? what, are, you, what are you talking about? So so one of the most important things that, that children need in terms of faith persistence and boys need in terms of motivation is to spend time with their, with their parents, especially their fathers, experiencing joy. And so what's really fascinating is that, and this, this is very clear in the data, that when, when parents create a context of joy and connection, their children are much more motivated to, to pursue virtue as adults. And so boys in particular need their fathers to roughhouse with them. It is like magic. Uh, one of the things that, that makes boys extremely motivated and in, in, in introduces delayed gratification is their fathers wrestling with them and roughhousing with them. It creates a, an incredible context for wisdom and and connection. So 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 boys need to be need to be uh, in context where they have good relations with their dads. They also need to be discipled and mentored by older men. So if you have a men's ministry, the boys need to be a part of that. If there's a men's retreat, bring the boys. Boys need mentors. They need non-parental mentors as well. And again, it needs to be a context of fun because that opens up the space for boys to connect and ask questions, but it also opens up the space for motivation and affirmation and encouragement. I think the one thing I want to leave with people on this discussion today is that boys need affirmation and validation more than they need shame and rebuke. And so when we motivate boys to be the kind of men that God wants them to be, when we, we affirm them in terms, in terms of what the Bible says about them in John 2, 14, for example, that they are strong, the Word of God lives in them, they have overcome the devil. When we motivate them that way, we will see amazing results for the kingdom of God. So what does a single mom do, Dr. Bradley, who's raising this next generation of boys and they're at a loss? That's a great question. So, so the, the, the question is this, it's not, it's not so much what should a single mom do. It's like, what, what should the men be doing when they see a single mom? So I think too often we put the burden on the single mom, but the single mom is in a community of men and the men know she's a single mom. So what are the men doing when they see that? To me, that's the problem, is that we have a lot of men who may not realize how important they are, or secondly, uh, may, may be blind to what they see. And what we need, we need more men uh, to step in and be surrogate fathers and surrogate uncles and surrogate, and surrogate grandfathers to, to kids who are in context of 
of, of single households and take the burden off the mother who's already overburdened to do to, to, to accomplish these goals. We need more men to to sacrifice their time, their talent and, and their treasure to help out moms in those in those situations. But that really requires us to rethink how we do the, the whole range of, of, of ministries and churches because children need more and more contact with adults. And I think the model in our imagination is that kids need to be inspired by their peers. But what the data actually says is that kids need to be around adults. And so we have so many adults, empty nesters, uh, for example, who are in churches and have been activated, or they're off playing golf for six months out of the year. We need to bring them back and get them connected to these families and help out these moms. One statement that always I'm going back to James Taylor, the musician, James Taylor said there was uh, the importance of boredom in my life. I was able to think and explore and go for walks and things like that as he was growing up. Um, Are we too busy as a society? It's not that we're too busy. We've actually got too many distractions. Hmm. So, so, uh, you know, we can be busy doing great things, right? We can be busy helping out homeless people. We can be busy, you know, growing food. We can be busy having fun. It's not that we're necessarily too busy, but we're too busy with things that distract us from doing the important things. One of the problems and one of the challenges with sort of living in a culture like ours is that we're saturated with pleasure all the time. One of the reasons that we're bored, that children are bored, is they, they are constantly, right, constantly swimming in dopamine, from sugary foods and from television, from video games, from technology. And so when they aren't constantly stimulated, they begin to unravel. And, and I, think, I think so much of, of, of our problem is that we're just given and saturated so much with all of this convenience and pleasure. Now, I'm not saying that we should go live in the woods and, and go back to 1820. I'm not, I'm not saying that at, at, at all. But we need to sort of rethink our rhythms. And, and, and parents that are distracted, I mean, sort of think about this, right? When, when parents are distracted, kids are distracted because, parents are, because kids are going to mirror the emotional and the spiritual state of their parents. So if the parents are on their phone all the time, the kids will be on technology all the time. And so whole households need to think about how they manage their normal rhythms to create Space, to create space for creativity, to create space for connection, to create space for conversation. And that primarily means, one, everybody needs to unplug from their devices and from screens. Everybody needs to work on their diet, their, their diet and exercise. Everybody needs to sit around a room and read and talk about those things. Everybody needs to sort of go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4 to 6 and do some of those things. It says, like, as you walk along the road. So instead of, instead of sitting around on, on tech devices, take a family walk and talk about things, open up space for, for, for conversation and really purge those distractions to create the time for, for really deep connection. There's so much power that we have as families. Sometimes we think about all the craziness that's happening in our world, not realizing that we can be intentional what happens between our four walls. And you've helped us think through some of that today, Dr. Bradley. I want to point our listeners to our webpage where we have your website linked. You can find many of his resources, books, and articles, uh, many scholarly works there looking at issues of the day. We've got that at ericandbridget.org. Dr. Bradley, I feel like we're just starting a conversation here. Thank you so much for your time this morning. 
You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.